from the book of Job. If you are in your Bible, you'll want to turn to the book of Job. If you're a guest or you don't have a Bible of your own, certainly if you're a guest, you'll recognize that God's Word is something that we take very seriously at Northside, and we want you not just to take the preacher's word for it, uh, we want you to understand it for yourself. So if you don't have a Bible, turn to page 526 in this pew Bible in front of you, or if you are and have your own Bible on your phone or in your hand, please turn to Job chapter 1. The setting is a, a grim one. It is very challenging. We understand there's been a heavenly conversation, and in that heavenly conversation, Satan has been released, allowed to put Job to the test, to see if where his hope truly lied. And so Job chapter 1 Verse 13 is where we start. Now, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and there came a messenger to Job. The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took and struck down the servants to the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was there speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans have formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, another said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came and struck the wilderness uh, I came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Uh, you've probably had bad days before, but you haven't had a bad day like Job had a bad day. Okay, you probably had a day when the market crashed, and you begin to wonder if you'd ever be able to retire. But you haven't had a day like Job had. You, you perhaps have had the the doctor's diagnosis that you didn't expect and that you didn't see come in meant weeks and months of chemotherapy or radiation. But you haven't had a day like Job had. Perhaps tragically, you've lost a child early or late in life. You attended your own child's funeral. That's a terrible tragedy. Job attended several in the same day. You haven't had a day like Job had. Now, that's not to diminish your pain and tragedy. I'm saying, I'm trying to give us some perspective. We've all had hard days, but none, as I can imagine, like Job had on that day. How, would your, how was your response when you go through tragedy and difficulty and hard times? Whether you're suffering a financial tragedy, a, a health difficulty or struggle or trial, or you're going through some hardship with your family, or your marriage is on the rocks. What how did you respond in that moment toward your Creator? Job, in the midst of arguably the hardest day a human being has ever had or maybe will ever have on this earth, the Scripture describes how Job responded. It's on page 527, verse 20 of chapter 1. Job, Job arose 
And he tore his robe, and he shaved his head, signs of mourning. And he fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. I've always found that very, certainly very admirable, but also very puzzling. I'm not sure I could have responded in the same way if I'd had the day that Job had. So, thinking about that a little more deeply, because a lot of times we think about what happened or how it happened, but I want you to go deeper than the what and the how, and I want you to ask why. Why was it that Job, when losing everything, instinctively fell to his knees in worship? Why was that his gut, muscle memory, first instinct, whatever you call it, why was that the thing that he first did? And this will be challenging to to hear, but because, in my mind, the answer to that question is because Job had a greater hope. Job had a lot of things. He had wealth, he had a, a wonderful family, he had just everything one could imagine wanting to have in this world. But Job had something even greater than all of that. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. As we, our theme for the year is, is unshakable. We, we started out at the beginning of 2021 with a series on that. Uh, and we're going to come back to it. We're going to circle back around to these points. And I, this morning I want just to talk a little bit about what Job had. And it was this. Job had hope. That's not like Hallmark card kind of hope. He had deep, untouchable, something that Satan himself couldn't reach in his soul. And that was this hope in God. Hope hope is powerful stuff. It really is. I've seen people going through hell, who faced it with courage and joy. How could they do that? Because they had a greater hope. And see, for as powerful as hope is, that reminds you that when you lose hope, you almost lose everything. Without hope, everything seems impossible. When you're going through difficulty, whatever the difficulty may be, once you lose hope, you're mostly done. I'll never forget one of the the, the sadder moments in, in ministry days was when I was working with this group, and it was at team camp one year, and there was a kid who was just, he was, he was pretty done. And he didn't say much, and the tears came pretty hard. He later 
wrote a prayer request and he said, he said, pray for my dad because he's lost his hope. And I knew instantly what he meant. My heart went out for him because, because his father had lost his hope. That, that young man had lost his hope. You see, hope is powerful stuff. When you have just a little bit of it, a mustard seed's worth, you can conquer almost any mountain. But when you can't find a scrap of it, you can't make it over a molehill. You need hope. So when you think about hope, I want you to remember this. Who you have your hope in matters more than what you hope for. Let me just settle on this point for just a minute. Um, from Job's perspective, right? He was probably had enough livestock and, and wealth of an earthly means that he was thinking, well, I'm going to have to acquire another 40 acres of land, or I'm going to have to build some bigger barns. You know, he, he kind of had hope in that sense. Perhaps he had hope for his children and their children and their children. And he began to think, you know, I'm going to make my legacy here, right? So he hoped for certain things, but even though he hoped for certain things, Job had a deeper hope in something untouchable. That would cause the man who lost everything to go here in worship. In that moment, Job went to his deepest hope. And you and I know the story's not over yet. (laughs) It's about to get real bad for Job. But he hadn't lost his hope. Oh, all all of his worldly hopes, those were gone. Okay, Satan had demolished all of those. But who he hoped in was as strong as ever. Where's your hope this morning? More specifically, who's your hope in? Is it money? Is it wealth? Is it career? Is it family? Is is it you? Is it your abilities? Is it your talents? See, that can fall pretty hard when you when Satan begins to touch those things. Think about it like this. Noah's hope was not in the ark. Moses' hope was not in his staff. David's hope was not in his sling or the stones. No, those men, their, their, their hope was in God. And in fact, the more hope that we put in the tools and the abilities and the talents and the things that God gives us, the easier it is to lose our hope. So you you need to ask yourself often and always, where's my hope? Because when you get the pink slip, when you go to the doctor's office, when the market crashes, you ask yourself, where's your hope? 
Where is my hope? Psalm 25, verse 5. Turn there. This, the scripture I'm going to read is, is from the NIV, so you'll find the ESV slightly different. The psalmist David says, he starts out by saying, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, in you I trust. Let not me be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. We understand that's a, that's a song. David is again going back to his hope. For you, he says in verse 5, you are my God, my Savior, and what? My My hope is in you all day long. You see, our great hope is not in ourselves, not in our tools, not our abilities, not the size of your portfolio, not in your connections with other people. Those are all worldly means of human hope. But God offers something deeper. Our great hope is in a great God. And you think about how you got to be where you are today had less to do with you and everything to do with Him. And when you lost your spouse or your child, how would you get through it? Not because of you, not because you're mighty, not because of your great faith, not because of your power, not because of your wisdom, but because of Him. And when you walked through the valley of the shadow of death, sat at the hospital bed, and prayed and prayed, and those didn't seem to, pray, prayers didn't seem to break your way, where was your hope? May we keep it grounded in God. The Psalms is a good place to talk about this because the Psalm, Psalms is kind of like a playlist. You have a, a playlist on your phone, you, have, you listen to Apple Music or Spotify or maybe you just have your, your iTunes or whatever. It, you have your list of songs, you have the music you listen to to get going in the morning, you have, you have your music you listen to when you're studying or thoughtful, you have your music that you listen to when you're maybe kind of a sour mood. Psalms is God's holy playlist. And it's not just all about Psalm 23. It's about people who've been through the valley. People who've been through hardships. People who've been at the lowest point in their life on earth. And even in these kind of Psalms, we find this recurring theme of hope. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? 
hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. You see, for some people, God is their last hope. You see Him at church when things start going bad. I remember the, actually it was a Wednesday night, not even a Sunday, it was the Wednesday after Tuesday, September 11th. You remember that, Steve? You remember the Wednesday service after September 11th? Full house. There are times when externals force us and remind us again. Some people only seek God when they're at that point. And, and God will still use that. Don't misunderstand me. I'm, God will use you wherever you are. But he wants your hope in him to be constant, whether in good times or in bad. God's not your last hope. God's your only hope. There's a scripture in the New Testament, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And uh, it's interesting to me because we are almost toward the middle of the year. Daily Bible readings, most of those, if we're honest, kind of fell by the wayside in middle January. But maybe you're still keeping up. Reason it's important to stay in the Word. reason why it's important, it's not just to check off a list to go through a motion, but there's something about Scripture, as we saw in Psalms and certainly throughout the Old Testament and the New. Paul wrote this to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. He says, For whatever was written... In former days, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. It's important for you to remember that as hard as your situation or lot may be, You're not the only one who's been through hard times and hard situations. And this book, these stories of these people point us to a greater hope, a greater God. So, if it's fallen by the wayside, if you you let a month or two or three slip by, may I encourage you to jump back into the the word of a holy God? Because this word will remind you of a greater hope in a greater God. Psalm 62 says, this is uh, verse 5, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge, 
Verse 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. If you've lost your hope, let me encourage you again to, to, to ground yourself, to anchor your soul in the hope of God, who outlasts every trial, who far surpasses every tribulation, And who runs deeper than any ache your soul might have. Your great hope is in a great God. And really, He's your only hope. And if you'll ground yourself in Him, you'll have hope no matter what the situation. You'll be like Job, who who fell and worshipped at the lowest valley, arguably, of his life. May you keep your hope there in Him. You see, hope is easy on the mountaintops of life. But it's in the valleys where it matters most. Hope sees us through the valleys. Lamentations. Pretty depressing book. Uh, Curtis Baker uh, was speaking. that He's a minister at Riverwalk and a, a good friend. And he was speaking for our Wednesday night summer speaker series. And he was talking about going through lamentations. And uh, again, admittedly, it's not the most upbeat, positive book, as is, uh, you might guess from the title, The Laments. Let's go to a valley. Chapter 3, verse 17. My soul is bereft of peace. This is Lamentations 3.17. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. These are some scriptures that you can really only relate to if you've been there. When you've been through the valleys of the shadow of death, those words resonate on a level they never have before. Can I just ask you this morning? I, I need some uh, a feedback here. If you've been through the, the valley, if, if these words resonate extra, can you just say, oh yeah? When you've been through the valley, these words resonate. When your soul's bereft of peace, when you've forgotten what happiness is, when you remember all too well your afflictions, your sufferings, your soul's bowed down within you. But keep reading. But this I call to mind, verse 21. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It was like God designed, even in the created world, this this idea of Fresh starts and new beginnings and new hope. 
You ever have one of those days that the best part about that day was the ending of it? In the book of Genesis, don't turn there, I'm just referencing, but in the, in the book of Genesis, there's this interesting phraseology of the creation account. And it goes like this. There was day one, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And there was the second day, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And there was evening, and there was morning. And there was evening, and there was morning. Mercifully... See, God could have created one giant long day, <laughs> but mercifully, he built this rhythm into the created order. And I'm not just talking about sunsets and sunrises. I'm talking about the seasons and cycles of nature that God has built into it this idea that whatever you're going through, the worst day you've ever had experienced or might ever experience will come to an end. The day you sinned in a way that you wish you could forever take back. But you can't. Will end. The day when you went through hardships and trials and struggles will end. His mercies are new every morning. And as light breaks through the darkness and comes over the horizon, you're reminded the sweet mercy and power of God to say, yesterday's behind us. Today is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Hope sees us through the valleys. So, his hope, hope in, in a great God, is the only steadfast anchor for life, for you and I, for the soul. His hope is the only anchor that I know of that can anchor the soul. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We sing the song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Holy lean Jesus' name. Can we just stop right there? Because in a minute we're going to pull out these little cups, and we're going to be reminded. And can I just say, in the church of Christ, it is easy to just rush right past this moment. Just to remember to do it, instead of doing to remember. And so this morning... As we partake of this, I want to encourage you just to sit with this thought about where your hope truly lies. No storm is pleasant, but every ship in the storm 
has peace. Every ship in the storm need not worry if it's anchored firmly, securely in Christ. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is, all other ground is. May we not forget where our hope lies. And so, this morning, I'm not going to offer a normal invitation, okay? We're just going to get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper together as family. Now, if you have a spiritual need, if you've lost your hope, maybe you don't have the eternal hope of Christ, why, okay, come find me, I'll be at the back. Come find me after the service. We can, we can show you how to anchor your soul firmly in Him. And if you need us to pray for you, I'll find a shepherd. We'll we'll make that happen, okay? But this morning, may we center ourselves in the hope of the living God. May we, like Job, no matter what we do or go through, keep our souls centered in Him. Let's pray together and then we'll continue in our worship. Our Father God, as we bow before you this morning, we acknowledge that you are good even when we are not. You are loving, even when our hearts are cold. You have hope, even even when the storms of life rage all about us. Father, call us again back to that great hope that we have in you. And Father, forgive us for times when we've trusted in ourselves, or we've trusted in our abilities, We've trusted in the things that you've given us. And we, like the Israelites, have forgotten that the promised land was not about the promised land at all, but the promiser. Draw us near to you, Father. Our our minds can be distracted. Our hearts can be as well. I pray that you would still all of that as we prepare to worship and as we partake of communion together. And we do so fixing our eyes, fixing our souls, fixing our hope upon you. We pray this in the name of your Son, our greatest hope that that you ever gave us. We pray this all in the name of of his sweet and precious name.